Welcome to Health Talks Now, bringing you the facts you need to keep you and your family well. We're happy you're tuning in today. Baptist Health is committed to providing compassionate, high-quality care that is centered on you. Listen to all of our podcasts to hear from Baptist Health physicians about the latest medical advancements and treatments. And get trusted information on timely health topics from our healthcare professionals. Whether you want to learn more about a specific condition or procedure or find tips for living a healthy lifestyle, Baptist Health is here to help you become a healthier you. We're joined today with guest Dr. Anthony Davis to discuss a critical part in the bariatric surgery process, the post-operative stage. And specifically, we're diving into the importance of exercise after bariatric surgery. That's right. Along with other post-operative tips, we want to give you, our listeners, a clear idea of what an exercise plan looks like, what should be done, what to avoid, and how often patients should work out. Dr. Davis, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me as your guest. I appreciate this opportunity to participate in your discussion today. Of course, it's our pleasure. Could you start by introducing yourself, maybe telling our listeners what drew you into the field of medicine, specifically bariatric surgery, and what you enjoy the most about Western Kentucky? I specialize in bariatric surgery. I've been in this field for over 10 years now. What drew me to this specialty is the effects that it has on patients' overall health. Sure. What I enjoy most about it is that I can participate in life-altering behavioral modifications for patients long-term, not just for that short treatment Mm -hmm. plan that I used to do as a general surgeon. What I enjoy most about Western Kentucky is the community itself. Where I live, they're very welcoming and they've received myself and family quite well. Before we get into the specifics of post-operative care, we'd be remiss to not cover pre-surgery. What makes someone a good candidate for weight loss surgery and what preparation is required? Okay, well, first you should have seen a primary care provider, your family doctor, who might have made the diagnosis of morbid obesity in Mm. advance. That diagnosis is based off of your body mass index, or BMI for short. Okay. If you have a BMI of 30 or greater, you have the diagnosis of obesity. What makes you a surgical candidate would be having a diagnosis of obesity. Now, the more severe your obesity is, is based off of how high your BMI is calculated. So again, if you have a body mass index of 30 or greater, but you have a comorbid condition Mm. like diabetes, sleep apnea, hypertension, you could be a candidate for surgery. Okay. Or if you have a body mass index of 40 or greater without any diagnosed comorbid condition or disease associated with obesity, you would be a candidate for bariatric Mm. surgery. You asked about the preparation that is required I think patients need to understand that this is a lifelong process and they have to be prepared for making lifelong changes and behavior modifications Mm -hmm. for the rest of their life when you're going into the treatment of this disease. Yeah, it's really a lifestyle, not just a quick fix like I think some people think it is. Exactly. 
I agree with that 100%. Well, I understand that all of our procedures are performed laparoscopically. And for someone who's not familiar with that term, that just means it's minimally invasive, involving tiny incisions and a shorter recovery time, which plays into a better recovery and ultimately allows patients to return to their life faster. But let's lay out the specific types of those procedures. Can you break down the differences and explain a bit about the most common three? Gastric sleeve, lap band, and gastric bypass. Yes. So I'll work in terms of, quote unquote, the invasiveness of the surgery. Mm -hmm. They're all performed laparoscopically, but what I mean by invasiveness is how much we as surgeons manipulate your gastrointestinal tract. Okay. So the band is, quote unquote, the least invasive in terms of what we're doing to your GI tract. And we are placing a device around the top portion of your stomach, and it is connected to a port that is buried underneath your skin. Now, this port allows the physician or provider to titrate or increase the fluid that is around that balloon of the band by placing salt water in the apparatus. And this tightens around the stomach with the end result of limiting or restricting the amounts of food the individual can consume. The sleeve is more of a surgical change where we are resecting or cutting that portion of the stomach to a cylinder shape. Now, not only do you cut the stomach and remove that portion of the stomach, you're also affecting your physiology and how your body is processing calories by reducing certain hormones. So this surgery is a lot more effective in terms of the treatment of the disease of obesity. Hmm. It is a restrictive surgical procedure, but it does have some physiological effects on how you're processing calories. And then finally, the gastric bypass, a little bit more involved with manipulating your gastrointestinal tract by not only creating a smaller stomach, but also rerouting, if I may, the pathway of your calories and how your body is processing those calories. And I put it in this order because the more we do to your gastrointestinal tract, the more we affect the absorption of your calories. Okay. The gastric bypass I put at the end is because you absorb less calories. So that is one advantage. However, there is a price. Your body cannot discern which calories are good and which calories are bad. It can't discern certain vitamins and minerals. So the price with the gastric bypass is the fact that you can have malabsorption or Mm. inappropriate absorption or adequate absorption of vitamins and minerals because of the rerouting of the intestinal tract. So you'd have to be really conscientious of your diet. You do. You have to. Uh, With all of the surgeries, but you are, I don't want to say that you shouldn't be with any of the surgeries, but with the gastric bypass, you have to be more diligent on following your vitamins and minerals and making sure you're consistent with that. The lap band is actually not changing your anatomy. You're just using that device to kind of accomplish the same goal without actually removing any part of the GI tract. Is that Did I get that correct? That is a great way of saying it. Okay. But the issue with the gastric band is you're leaving an artificial apparatus in someone's body. 
and it's not as effective in reversing or treating the disease of obesity compared to the other two. Do you run the risk of someone's body rejecting that device? So there should not be an issue with having the artificial apparatus in your body. It is considered inert or foreign. So it wouldn't respond. Your body should not respond in terms of having an infectious process or a, re- or a rejection type scenario. But naturally, your body will separate itself from a foreign object. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's where it will develop a, a shield per se to separate the band from its, its actual tissue. And is there any follow-up surgery required, or is that device intended to last a lifetime? Yeah, statistically, it's supposed to last a lifetime in terms of, you know, once you put it in and if it's sat perfectly in the the body, it should last for a lifetime. However, we are finding out that this is not true for all people, Mm -hmm. and this device can move, change, Uh just like your body changes and grows and and shrinks. So the apparatus won't be seated in the same position, and it could, quote-unquote, slip. And when it slips, you can have problems with it. How do you determine which of those options is best for the specific patient? So that's where you would require to be a participant in a bariatric surgical program. Your surgeon would be sitting down with you after reviewing your medical history and discussing what your risks are Mm -hmm. and what those surgeries could increase or worsen or improve upon. So we do know that the gastric bypass, for example, is a great surgical procedure for those type 2 diabetics Okay. because there's a significant reversal of your type 2 diabetes after having that surgery. Longer term, the sleeve could provide that also, as well as the band. However, if you've had inflammatory bowel issues, for example, multiple intestinal surgeries, you may not be a candidate for the gastric bypass. The same for the sleeve. The sleeve is a great surgical procedure with great results. However, if you are suffering from, for example, something called Barrett's esophagitis, you would not be a candidate for this surgery, especially in our facility. Okay. The band, it really depends, especially in our program, what your BMI is at. If you have a larger body mass index, I would not recommend the gastric band because, again, it can't compare mm-hmm. in terms of successful reversal of the disease of obesity. So you're not going to lose as much weight with the band. And if you have a, a heavier weight, you may not want to consider having a gastric band as a procedure. So it's really individualized. And I think that's a really a good point to make because especially if you're not intimately familiar with each of these procedures, you may think that they are all you know, equally effective or equally right for you. And it's a matter of just choosing. So I think it's really good to make the distinction that no, it's, it's really a collaboration with your physician and a dialogue back and forth to figure out what are your risk factors? Yeah. What's going to work best for your body? Mm-hmm. You're right on that. I mean, there are times I have patients come in and say, well, my sister had this, mm-hmm. right. or my best friend had this type of surgery. Sure. And you can't base it only on the fact that your friend or family member had that surgery. Right. You really have to look at the overall, your overall health. Yeah. That's one important thing, as Kendra mentioned, about our bariatric program is the counseling 
and the interaction that is going on between your office and the patient well before the surgery takes place? Yes, absolutely. Our facility requires three to six months of participating in a medically managed weight loss program. But during that time, we're not only just helping you lose weight. Mm -hmm. And what we're really focusing on during that time is educating patients about their bodies Mm -hmm. and what their body is doing during this time that they're suffering from obesity. Mm -hmm. And helping them to establish new patterns and habits and really make it something that's a lifestyle that's sustainable for them after surgery, I'm sure. Absolutely. We'll be right back. At Baptist Health Bariatric Surgery and Weight Loss, we can help you make the lifestyle changes needed to reclaim your freedom. Our expert surgeons, dietitians, and mental health professionals have the tools, experience, and compassion needed to help you make a lasting change. We offer the latest surgical and non-surgical weight loss options in a professional, caring, and nurturing environment. Take the first step towards a healthier, happier version of you. Learn more about our program and treatment options or sign up for a free weight loss seminar at baptisthealth.com. We're back with Dr. Anthony Davis. Well, let's talk now about the recovery and post-operative stage. When patients are excited about the possibilities of the new fresh start at a healthier life, ready to make changes for a lasting benefit, assuming no complications, what does the recovery process in that timeline look like? At our facility, we recommend that after surgery, you wait at least four weeks of weight restrictions. What that means is... No heavy lifting greater than 15 pounds for four weeks. No pushing, pulling, straining during that time. The four weeks is really to begin learning your new body and developing habits so that you can relearn how to eat. Mm -hmm. There are also dietary restrictions as well. So you have to imagine now your stomach is is a lot smaller than it was before. You can't haphazardly just eat as much as you want to. You have to get accustomed to eating smaller meals and being okay with it as well. Mm -hmm. So right after surgery, we have a liquid diet that patients follow just so that their, their stomachs can heal. And then with time, we gradually increase the density of that food from clears to solids. And that usually takes about three to four weeks. Okay. How about muscle building and weight training? We know that they have to wait those four weeks before they lift anything over 15 pounds. But after that time period has passed, do you encourage that they focus on muscle building? I think people frequently associate intense cardio with weight loss, but we know that's not always the best method. What's your take on that? Okay. So... That is a very slippery slope. When we talk about muscle building, I encourage that, but for different reasons. We're treating a disease of of weight. Mm -hmm. And we all know that when you develop muscle, you're actually building mass and mass is weight. Okay, true. I don't encourage building muscle mass to the point where you're gaining weight. I do promote and encourage developing your muscle and maintaining 
a lower weight, a lower body mass index. Sure. The reason why the body mass index, and, and this is what people really need to understand, when you're calculating the body mass index, you're calculating specifically just your weight versus your height. Mm, it doesn't does not differentiate or separate muscle weight or fat weight. It just talks about weight. So the reason behind that is is truly because of your heart. Your heart has to push 250 pounds okay. or, or work to to move 250 pounds, whether it's 250 pounds of muscle or 250 pounds of fat, ah. your heart is the organ that has to work against that. That makes sense. So the reason is really associated with your heart as well. So you do want to have less weight. That makes total sense. For someone who has not yet gone through the pre-education and pre-surgery seminars and counseling so they don't understand yet the lifestyle changes. What would you say to someone who's wondering, do I have to work out after bariatric surgery? Isn't the surgery enough for weight loss? Can't I just watch what I eat? Yeah, so my response to that would be, no, you don't have to work out after bariatric surgery, but we recommend incorporating exercise as part of your journey for long-term success. Okay. Exercise, again, is something that is important, not necessarily for weight loss. Mm -hmm. There are so many other benefits sure. that come with exercise. And the myth is, you know, hey, I could just exercise. But you and I both know that you can't exercise or out-exercise a bad diet. Absolutely. So I encourage exercise to be incorporated into their lifestyle after having bariatric surgery for other benefits. Mm -hmm. Just their overall health. Yes. That's a good segue into nutrition. Obviously, we know that the two go hand in hand, but what are some of the nutrition guidelines and recommendations that patients are going to be presented with post-surgery? So we don't have a diet plan that's a one-size-fits-all, but... We do discuss with our patients specific guidelines tailored to their needs sure. when they visit with us. I will say this. The general recommendations are to limit their total volumes after having surgery because their stomachs are smaller and consistently measuring those volumes okay. or their portions per meal. And what they put in those meals are very important. We emphasize incorporating vegetables and proteins with each meal mm -hmm. because I believe that, and this is a fact, our society as a whole are poor vegetarians. Mm -hmm. We don't eat enough vegetables in our diets. We focus on high-protein diets to lose weight, yeah. low-carb diets, high-fat diets. Yeah. But we need to really get to the crux of nutrition, and vegetables are essential for that. Sure. Well, can we talk about loose skin? So as patients continue on their journey and they're seeing some of their excess weight fall off, loose skin becomes a concern, I would imagine. How is that addressed? Well, loose skin is a concern, but the best way I explain it to patients are twofold. One, what you've created, you cannot uncreate, right? So if you have a significant amount of weight loss because of your the fat cells shrinking, that skin is not necessarily going to go anywhere. Well, it won't. Some people are 
fortunate, if I may say, that they genetically can have skin recoil back so that they don't have significant excess skin, that their their skin actually rebounds back. Mm -hmm. Others aren't as fortunate. Mm -hmm. And there is a correlation to the amount of weight that they've lost Mm -hmm. to the amount of skin that they might have excess skin that they might have and if it becomes an issue in terms of developing rashes it's getting in the way they they feel as though they're not themselves because of this excess skin Mm -hmm. there are surgical options to help remove that excess skin okay and we refer we recommend talking to a plastic surgeon who is a sculptor of skin to help them make that decision. Earlier in the episode, you mentioned the comorbidities. Let's talk about that for a moment because we did have an episode, I guess just a few back, about sleep disorders and and sleep apnea was one. You mentioned high blood pressure. Do you find that those issues resolve with the lifestyle changes and bariatric surgery? Absolutely. So I'll get into the top three. We've got uh, hypertension or Mm -hmm. high blood pressure. We've seen patients who've been on multiple blood pressure medications start developing symptoms after having their surgery. These symptoms of lightheadedness, fatigue, and the correlation actually is the fact that when they've been losing their weight, their body has become more sensitive to those blood pressure medications. Ah. And they had to have been tailored off of these medications to absolve or resolve these symptoms of lightheadedness and and fatigue. Now, just a disclaimer, if you're having lightheadedness and fatigue, you should still see your your physician Mm -hmm. to make sure that it really is your body rejecting or becoming more sensitive to the blood pressure issues because it could be something else. But with our patients who've lost significant amount of weight, these are some of the, the signs that they're having. And it's actually a great thing because mm-hmm. that's what they're here for. They're here to get off of these medications. Yeah. Diabetes is the same. Their blood sugars become lower because they've been losing weight. They're more sensitive to their metformin and their insulin mm-hmm. and requiring less dosages of these medications. Yeah. And then with sleep apnea, I will say this. I've had several patients that actually have had resolution of their sleep apnea less snoring as they lost their weight, feeling more energized, feeling more refreshed when they sleep. But believe it or not, some of them still enjoy wearing their CPAP machine because they've just been used to it. Oh, for so really? Many years. Sure. <laughs> That's interesting. Well, I can understand now why you were drawn to this field of the impact that you're making on patients and the, the gift that you're giving back of not just the surgery, but the, the total overhaul on their life and as well as the impact that they have on their family. And it's a unique field, too, that you get to stay with them on the entire journey. Yes. You're not treating an illness or a disease and then, you know, sending them on their way and not knowing what happens to yeah. them after that fact. You're you're continuing that relationship throughout the entire process. Plus on the family, like you're giving someone their dad back and their, their grandpa or their mom back of yeah. all the memories to be created because they have more energy and yeah. life to live. Yeah. Well, let's wrap up this episode providing some listeners some additional questions to concerns about life after bariatric surgery. One common question is, is it safe to get pregnant after surgery? Yes, it is. But I recommend for my patients to at least wait, for our women, to at least wait a year and a half prior to getting 
pregnant. Mm -hmm. So during that time after surgery, they should use some form of a barrier contraceptive or hormonal contraceptive to avoid getting pregnant within that first year and a half. The reason behind that is to give their body an opportunity to have resolution of the disease of obesity, Mm -hmm. which clearly will give them a healthier and safer pregnancy. Yeah, that makes sense. With less complications. So give their body a chance to heal before getting pregnant. And they, I warn them that when they start losing weight yeah. during this process, they become more fertile. Oh, that men makes as sense. Well. Yes. So there are times where men, their sperm counts are lower. They have lower testosterone levels. And when they start losing weight, they become more fertile as well. That makes you total have a sense. resolution of polycystic ovarian syndrome with this disease, which is oh, yeah. very important. Yeah, I can see that. And I, I can imagine that as they, once a woman does get pregnant after having this procedure, that, you know, as they inevitably will gain some weight with the pregnancy, that that could be detrimental in their long-term progress or it could set them back, certainly. So that makes sense that you would want them to really establish in the lifestyle and let their body adjust and heal before they make such an, you know, another drastic change to their body. Absolutely. It's another investment in their health. Yeah. Well, we mentioned a little bit about the changes in medication, but what effect does weight loss surgery have on medications and how does that play into needing those to change? So, Ideally, when you have resolution of the disease of obesity, you should have reversal of those those diseases. Mm-hmm. Or we call them comorbid conditions associated with obesity. So we know that obesity causes high blood pressure, diabetes, sleep apnea, for example, high cholesterol. When you're having this disease treated, then those diseases that were caused by this disease of obesity improve. And as a result... You may not need blood pressure medications anymore because you might be too sensitive to them. You may not need those diabetic medications. You know, you might need to have them tailored down. Cholesterol medications could be stopped. I mean, there's a significant amount of resolution of these diseases when you fix the main cause Mm -hmm. of those other conditions. Is it possible that, say, someone's on a medication that is not one that can be discontinued after the surgery, is it possible that their dosage would need to be changed based on their new weight? Yes. I'll talk about diabetes a bit. Statistically, for example, if you've been receiving insulin for over seven years, okay, mm-hmm. there's a low probability that you will stop, you'll be able to stop insulin Okay. Uh, for other physiological issues. So we tell our patients that your dosages of insulin will decrease, okay. but there is a low chance that you will be off of insulin indefinitely. That makes sense. Is there a possibility that patients could become depressed post-surgery? Yes, there is a chance that you can become depressed, which is another reason why I recommend that you incorporate exercise. Ah. After having surgery, yeah. okay, once you have that weight restriction off, we do know for a fact that one of the benefits of exercise is actually increasing your endorphins, mm-hmm. giving you more self-confidence yeah. throughout life. So 
you incorporate exercise not just for the physical health benefits, yeah. but also for the mental health benefits that come with exercise. So that's one of the reasons why we encourage exercising after surgery. <laughs> Makes sense. Is there anything else you can share with us today that we may have missed? I want to say this, uh, if I may. Bariatric surgery is just a piece of the big picture of this disease of obesity. We have to remember that we're not trying to just have patients lose weight. That's right. not the end goal. The end goal is actually trying to affect how patients process calories. Hmm. Because these patients, they take in calories and they store them, store them too efficiently. Okay. And that's where they're gaining the weight. So if we can fix that process of storage, we can fix the disease of obesity. We always go to, hey, let's lose weight. Well, Remember, any and every one of us can lose weight. The secret is how to lose weight and not regain it. Mm -hmm. Sure. And so that's what we want to focus on at our facility and how we combat this disease of obesity. Yeah, I like that distinction, and I, I think it's really important. I imagine there are a lot of people who seek out something like this because the self-confidence or, you know, they want to look a certain way or, you know, be able to do the things they used to be able to do. And it really does go deeper than that. Mm -hmm. It does. It really does. Well, thank you again for joining us today, Dr. Davis. How could people get in touch with you? They can contact my office. The number is 270-575-8462. Or you can always go online and look up Baptist Health Paducah, and our office and information is online as well. Perfect. So it's, it's easy enough to do either way. Great. Thank you so much again. Thanks for tuning in today. A new way of life is possible, and Baptist Health is committed to walking with you every step of the journey. If you're unsure about how to get started, take our free weight loss surgery assessment. You'll find out about your weight category with your BMI, you can identify weight-related conditions and discover if weight loss surgery is an option for you. Take the assessment today at baptisthealth.com slash health risk assessment. And if you enjoyed today's episode, share it with a friend or hit the subscribe button. If you're interested in bariatric surgery, you may want to check out episode two, What Even Is a Laparoscopic Sleeve Gastrectomy, where we take a deeper look at the gastric sleeve procedure with another Baptist Health bariatric surgeon. We'll catch you next time for another episode of Health Talks Now, a podcast brought to you by Baptist Health. Thanks for tuning in to Health Talks Now. Staying healthy is a lifelong commitment, and Baptist Health can provide the support you need to lower your risks, improve your quality of life, and protect your long-term health. Visit baptisthealth.com to hear our other podcasts, learn about our services, and find more tips to help you stay a step ahead of your health. Baptist Health, be a healthier you. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as medical advice. The content in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast is not designed to replace a physician's medical assessment and medical judgment. Always seek the advice of your physician with any questions or concerns you may have related to your personal health or regarding specific medical conditions. To find a Baptist health provider, 
please visit BaptistHealth.com.